Welcome back to the Single Girl's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm S. And I'm E. And we are here to travel through the universe, uh, picking our way along, noticing things from the single girl's point of view. Yeah, we're two early 30s single girls from Melbourne. So early. <laughs> Very early 30s, we like to stress that. <laughs> Practically 25. Practically 25. Mm. Um, and we are going to talk about something more serious tonight. Changing tone, changing lanes. Yes. Uh, light and shade. We are going to take a step into the shade. Yes, um, it can't all be sex in the city quizzes. We can't, but we will probably have some laughs because that's who we are as people. Uh-huh. Um, that's not to say that tonight's topic isn't serious. It is. But if um, you don't laugh, you cry, so... Absolutely. So tonight, I want to have a chat about safety. Mm. Um, it's a pretty fucking serious deal being a young single woman or even just a young woman in Melbourne. Or even just being a woman in Australia. True. True. Or the world, as we will discuss. Um, It's just like there's been a lot of horrific crime and women murders in Melbourne. That's why I, you know, single us out as a city. But, yeah, it's it's not an isolated problem. And it is something that you notice, I mean, neither of us live alone per se, but we do spend quite long periods of time on our own um Mm -hmm. i know that i can go days where i'm like if i didn't go to work today would anybody even notice if i disappeared so yeah um there there are periods of time where you know we might not have communication with other people and i know that both of us text each other before we go on dates to be like i'm meeting a stranger from the internet at this time (laughs) at this place and this is his name if you need to find him. <laughs> if I go missing, these are the details to tell the this police. Is the fl- this is where you start your search. We're meeting at this bar, start your search there. Which, you know, fuck. <laughs> yeah. But also, I wonder, I, I don't think our male counterparts ever feel that need or feel that, like, fear that we feel. I really don't think they do. I distinctly remember, so I used to live in an apartment building and we had an alleyway at the back which you could access our undercar garage from and I would never walk through there after dark because like it was like a winding alley that would lead to other alleys and stuff and I was like no 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 I would never and then I went out with my brother and a friend also a male and they wanted to walk to get the tram through this alleyway and I was like I just really don't like doing this and they're like don't be a little bitch like it's fine and I was like you just don't even think of the consequences. Like for them, yeah. it's not real because they can, in theory, protect themselves and defend themselves. But they don't. They don't even think about. But their experience you know, in the universe is so different from ours. And I know that you and I sat down, pre being podcasters, we had sat down and watched the Whitney Cummings special oh, yeah. on Netflix called "Can I Touch It," which I think we might need to rewatch and discuss because there's so much I <laughs> oh my God, fucking love about. It was so good, that. but yeah, I need to watch it like twenty more times. But she gives this great example of how she views the universe versus how her boyfriend does, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I went for a walk in my neighborhood, and there was a guy, and he was standing." in the window of a house and I've never seen him there and I pay attention to my surroundings so I'm used to who's around and he was standing there with his arms crossed and he was glaring out and he was like frowning across the yard and I saw him and was like that man is about to commit a crime I'm gonna call the police I need to call the police (laughs) and she told this to her boyfriend and her boyfriend's like 
what? No, I think that that guy's just sold this house and he is sitting out there with his arms crossed, feeling satisfied about how much money he just made from selling this house. And he's just being like, hmm, what a great protector I am of my family because I have just provided. And she just could not believe like how different their worldviews were. Because mm-hmm. she, where she sees, you know, fear and danger and, you know, death, he sees joy and pride and prosperity prosperity yeah. and i think that's really similar like i i noticed that all of the time i was at a tram stop this week it was quite late at night and i had caught the train rather than the tram home um and from the tram stop i could sorry from the train station i can walk to a tram stop in full light or I can walk home in partial darkness. And I was like, well, it's quite late. I'm going to walk to the tram stop in the light and then I'll wait for the tram and then the tram Get will the take tram me home. home. Yep. And behind me, there was this guy who was full pelt sprinting. And I just froze. Oh my God. Because my assumption was there is a guy behind me and it's, you know, semi darkness and he is running to attack me. He wasn't. He was trying to catch a tram that was going in the opposite direction to the way I was oh, going. I was, I was also going to say maybe sorry for a jog, but. And he was running late. But I hear footsteps behind me at pace and I assume death. Yeah. You know, because also I'm never going to go for a run at night. That is super dangerous. Who the fuck is going for a run at night? Well, you know, I heard, I can't remember where I heard this, but I think it's quite a, a common thought that the only time that, you know, men feel scared is when they think they're being hit on by a gay guy. Yeah, <laughs> like they 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 get that uncomfortable like or thing when they're not interested and they feel pursued and it's like imagine feeling like that twenty four hours a day. We don't have an off switch. You're maybe getting hit on by a guy in the street on the one night you go out, and yeah. like and that guy isn't gonna like attack you the second he knows that you're not interested. He's probably gonna back off. Like, well, I I remember <laughs> for one of my birthdays, I went with a bunch of girlfriends to go and see a drag show. And we went to a gay bar. Actually, I think it was to another drag show. And we just drag show hopped Excellent. along Smith Street in um, Collingwood. which Molly's? Uh, no, we'd gone to... Circuit? So we ended at Circuit. Yeah, <laughs> everyone always ends at Circuit. Um, had started at the AB6, which uh, yeah. is a great yeah. show on a Friday night. If you like comedy and you like drag, big plug ups to the AB6. I'm going to link them because I love them so much. <laughs> Particularly Karen from Finance or Polly Filler, uh, your headline acts. You're in for a good night. Um, but we had gone to Circuit afterwards, which is a bit more of a club vibe. And it's very much a gay a gay bar. They don't let women in every night of the week, which is fair enough. They yeah. have, like, a couple of nights that girls can go, but it is a very much a gay club. Yeah, on a Friday night, they'll let girls in. And I had gone in with a bunch of girlfriends, and one of my girlfriends had brought along her boyfriend. And he, like, when we talk about that night, amongst ourselves now and like oh how fun was it we should do that again and he always gets really tense and he's like oh like there were just so many guys like touching me and there were so many guys like putting their hands on my ass and I'm oh like it was he's like it was flattering at first but then it got really intense and I'm like yeah try being a woman like yeah yeah I, and it I, doesn't stop like you don't get to go home and then not go back to the bar it's like the bar's life <laughs> I got kicked out of a nightclub when, <laughs> Did you? when I was <laughs> I want to say like I was 25-ish, like I was in my feisty years. Mm-hmm. I'm still pretty feisty, but I was also club and I was going to the club. Oh, yeah. Then. 
And I got kicked out because this guy had grabbed me on the ass four times. Oof. I had been going, you know, it was just one of those nights. I broke the seal early. I was peeing a lot. I kept going to the bathroom. And every time I walked past this guy, he would grab my ass. And the first oh, time God. I kind of ignored it because I was like, Ugh, shit happens, too hard, whatever. Too hard, pile. The second time I stopped and was like, please don't do that. And it wasn't like I was purposefully walking past him to get his attention. I literally needed to pee. And so I, he's like a predator standing at the entrance to the ladies' yeah, bathroom. Yeah, and I wasn't flirting. It wasn't like I was stopping to say, oh, my God, that's so funny that you grabbed my ass. <laughs> I'm just going to go pee. I'll be back soon. Like, no. I was like, don't do that. The third time he did it again, and I, like, grabbed his hand as it was on my ass and shoved it back in his chest and said, no, don't do that. The fourth time, I grabbed his arm, shoved it in his chest and shoved him and was like, fucking don't touch me, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. At that point, the bouncer came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, miss, we're going to have to ask you to leave. We can't accept that behavior in this club. <laughs> and I was just like, excuse me. Like, what the actual fuck? Mm. It's okay for he to grab him to grab me four times on, you know, I gave him fair warning. Verbally, I told him that I would not accept his behavior. I physically showed him that I wouldn't t- accept his behavior. Then when I protect myself against him, and it wasn't like a little tap on the ass. He was putting his hand up my skirt. Mm-hmm. At that point, I'm considered dangerous and yeah. I need to. And then the bouncer was like, oh, I can see what's happening. But, you know, I just, for your own sake, you really should just leave. I was like, for my mm. own sake. Why? Because there's other predators But in also, here? like, you react negatively <clears throat> to that guy. And what's to say he's not going to flip his lid? Yeah. You know? Well, this is the so other it's thing. it's a risk you take actually standing up to him. It's a massive risk. One that I don't know if I would even bother taking. Well, this... Yeah. And that, that is the other thing that these days I'm probably even more cautious. And we'll get to, like, incidents that have happened in Melbourne of, like, violence against strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, where women have, unfortunately, ended up the victims of, um, for the most part, male perpetrators. And... For the most part, for all parts. Yeah. Honestly, the statistics you're going to read out, it's only men on woman violence. There yeah. isn't there isn't there, an there isn't an equivalent for women um as, as the perpetrators and where women are perpetrators in violent actions within Australia anyway, it tends to be in same-sex relationships where it's a domestic abuse situation or it's usually um in reaction to sustained traumatic behavior. So they have themselves been the victims of ongoing violence and then there's a snap. Yeah. Generally, when there's a woman who's the perpetrator of violence on the scale that we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I did want to sort of, not to go all stat heavy, but there are like quite a few um, stats about violence that kind of surprised me because I think we hear a lot that there's been some really, you know, big, you don't want to say big name, like, oh, the high profile cases. Yeah, there's been been a few cases recently of, of women who, in Australia anyway, who have been um, murdered. Raped and, and murdered. Yep. And we hear a lot that, you know... Um, so Jill Ma, obviously, she was the first real example of this that I can remember in my, my life. And then, obviously, Eurydice Dixon, um, there was the international student who... In Preston, I, yeah, I am um, Aswari. So I am Her yeah. her death is probably the trigger for of this article that I'm going to be quoting quite heavily mm-hmm. from. But um, we hear quite a lot when when these these deaths happen or these incidents happen. The the fact that's often trotted out is that actually you're more likely to be 
killed if you're a woman if you're in a relationship. That's so, true. But I think if you try, if you looked at the statistics in Melbourne today, it would be potentially different than that because... Well, it is, A, it is true that, and that's always been like the one thing that as a single girl, I'm like, well, great, I'm not living with... Yeah, my I'm not living my, my abuser, so excellent. <laughs> but actually, I was shocked when I was reading the most recent stats for the Australian Bureau of Statistics about how actually frequent violence against women from strangers is. Mm-hmm. So um, just to give you some broad stats and I'd like your sort of gauge on how shocked you are by these. Okay. Almost one in three Australian women have experienced physical violence. Hmm. Um, Thinking about your own experience? like Yeah, I mean, I wonder if that counts as the guy touching on the ass. That is physical violence. Like, I wonder if that's the scale okay, we're so talking. We'll or? go to the next one. Yeah. Nearly one in five have endured sexual violence. Which, again, is grabbing on the ass a sexually violent act, or is it? Is there more extreme I would still... That, that would be deemed at law anyway, sexual yeah. violence. Yeah. So, again, and we've mentioned this on pods before, we sit in a position of privilege as white women. Mm-hmm. The rates are much higher for Aboriginal and Torres Strait women. Uh, of course. The, the Aboriginal women are the most vulnerable women in our society. So this is the stat that absolutely floored me. Almost one in ten women have experienced violence from a stranger. I would agree with that because, I mean, I've never had a domestically violent situation, but I have definitely had run-ins with creeps on the street and whatever. So, yeah, I would believe that for sure. So, yeah, domestic violence is much more common on average. Of one course, woman. But that's not really what we're talking about no. today. As single gals, we don't have that domestic partner, so we're mostly going to talk about, like, Although stranger it- or... For single women, though, domestic violence does still play a part because on average in Australia, one woman per week is murdered by a current or a former male partner. And there was a case, and I don't have her name, and I really wish that I had it on my yeah, so we could, um... phone. But I will find it because yeah. their names are important and we need to remember them. But there was a woman who was murdered um, earlier this year and by her former partner... Yeah, and mm-hmm. at f- he committed suicide very shortly afterwards, and it was actually not realized at first. And there was a lot that of that it was a murder of... suicide kind of vibe. Well, he suicided at a different location, so at mm-hmm. first there was outpouring of grief for his suicide, and then afterwards, um, it was sort of realized that she had been murdered and that he was the number one suspect. But now he was um, dead. Her name was Pre. Preethi? Reedy? Oh, yeah. I have definitely... Um, she was a dentist. And mm. um, by all accounts, an absolutely fucking amazing woman just, like, living her life and unfortunately had gone to a conference that a former partner had decided to attend to for the purposes of seeing her. And she mm. agreed to meet up with him and didn't particularly want to but was like, oh, okay, well, you're not handling this breakup. Let's have a catch-up. And in that instance, he murdered her. Well... Yeah, fuck. We'll never know the full story of what happened, but... Because they're, they're both <coughs> gone, but... For all intents and purposes, she was a single woman at I that I mean, point. yeah, look at the statistics. They're going to say that he did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
um, Associate Professor Ruth Phillips, who um, is a social work expert that, from the University of Sydney, mm-hmm. has made the comment that violence against women is at its most extreme in murder, but is far more common... It is, sorry, it is far more common that women are injured either physically or emotionally in their own home. And I would... So emotional... Emotional... Is considered a violent act, which I think, yeah. 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 If someone's, like, screaming at you or, you know, getting um, in your space. And in her view, I know that in recent years it's sort of been called a crisis, but in her view it's not necessarily a crisis, but it's an ongoing gender power issue. And I definitely mm-hmm. see that in my everyday life, in my work life, I've noticed the power dynamics in a lot of workplaces where there's um, what I would call a toxic masculinity that sort mm-hmm. of like pervades into every action within the, you know. Oh, yeah, my current workplace is a whole lot of that. I, I have stepped into a boys' club, but, you know, I don't know. I'm not the passive little gal that they might be used to, so who knows how that's going to go in my future. But, yeah. Mm. I mean, you mentioned Jill Ma earlier. She yeah. um, was murdered. And that's the other thing. I, I'm consciously choosing the word murdered because that is what happened to her. I don't want to sugarcoat this by saying she passed away or no. her you know, her death occurred in. No, she was murdered. A person, a man, made a decision to end her mm. life. So I think we need to be really clear about that's what's Jill happened. Ma, Jill Ma's case, I can literally pinpoint a moment in time when my life changed and that is when Jill Ma got murdered. So living in Melbourne, I live in the northern suburbs. Jill herself lived in this in the suburb that we're currently in. She was murdered probably uh, 900 metres down the road and then you take a... Walking take a distance from where we had dinner. <laughs> yeah, walking distance. And so I used to be young and fun. I used to go out and party and... The second Jill got murdered, it was like we weren't safe anymore. So I think that my perception shifted. So I used to go out to all hours of the morning, three in the morning, whatever, and I would walk home. And the fastest way for me to get from my favorite bar to my house was like back streets in Fitzroy. And so I used to do it every day. I would take those streets. The day after Jill got murdered, it was no longer okay. And I, since that day, have pretty much gotten a cab or an Uber everywhere i no longer take public transport at night um i just i refuse and i would no longer walk even a short distance i lived less than a kilometer from the bar but i stopped walking it and you know what taxi drivers got kinder because i remember a time when you used to go get in a cab and they'd be like it's short not fair yeah short fare no no you get the next cab get the next cab it kind of shifted and these guys they, 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 there was a lot of empathy from them and they were like, no, it's, I want to get you home safe and they would take that short fare because what's the alternative is that they turn you down and then you get murdered on the way home. So, yeah, I think, Jill, I can literally, since that day, I, I could tell you the number of times I've got a train or a tram in my life other than to work. Yeah. You know? I think Jill, Jill Ma was murdered in 2012. Mm-hmm. I was living overseas at the time. And it made such an impact that it was in the news in the UK where I was living. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Irish originally, so that yep. made the news in Ireland, which made it have an impact. But I think regardless of where she was from, that, that story broke news. But um, I, I wouldn't say I, I wasn't living in Melbourne at the time, so it probably mm. didn't change my behaviour yeah. as such. So she was out 
and about on Sydney Road and she'd been at the Brunswick Green and she had been having work drinks. She left, she was walking home. She lived at the other end, like the Bell Street end of Sydney Road. She got as far as Hope Street and a guy grabbed her. He'd been following her. They've got footage of him following her for a, a bit of a distance um, and he got to the Hope, Hope Street and he dragged her off and the, the alley that he got murdered, that she got murdered in is just around the corner. It's kind of, when I drive past it with my brother, he always points it out. He's like, oh, look, that's Jill Ma's, the place Jill Ma got murdered. And I've had to say to him now, I'm like, can you please not bring that up every time? Because yeah. it's really triggering. It is. It's a really hard... And I know, I know he feels bad and I, I know he feels empathy and he's not doing it to scare me, but I'm like, it really scares me. Yeah. I think as well, so the the feelings that you're saying were evoked for you with Jill Ma, I guess I mm-hmm. was back in Australia at the time of Eurydice Dixon's yes. murder. And that, for me, resonated probably a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Eurydice Dixon was murdered in uh, Parkville, Carlton area. Yeah, it's 2.6 kilometres from where we currently sit. Yeah. Um, mm. She was walking home late at night after doing a stand-up comedy open mic gig. Uh, at the she t- was so close to home, maybe she, 500 metres or a kilometre from yeah, her house. She was. She could prob- possibly have seen her house from she where was she was. She was messaging her boyfriend saying, I'm nearly there. Yeah, nearly home. How, how about you? Uh, at the time that she was murdered, I was working in the city. I'd been working long hours and wasn't getting the time to go to the gym that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I would take my workout gear and get changed into my um, active wear and walk home from the city to the northern suburbs where Mm -hmm. I lived. I didn't walk in the exact same direction as her or through the same parks, but in very similar circumstances, I would cut through public parks because it was faster. It would be incredibly dark. And, you know, it could be a nicer walk going through the park, you'd think. And also... Carlton Gardens are stunning. Yeah, and I would... (laughs) You know, it would be pitch black because it was winter. I would put my headphones in because it's boring to listen to your own breath. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped doing that the second uh, that I got that I story. I don't wear headphones. After dark, I don't wear them. And I, you know, again, I try. I, I would love to because at night time, that's my time I could go for a run. I oh, don't do it. in hot weather, you yeah. want to go for an exercise. I might. Change. Go for a walk on the main street, but I certainly wouldn't have headphones in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I find interesting, though, is these two, I think, um, Eurydice's murder really resonated with me, Jill Ma, with you. Did you go to the memorial for her? The, I did. The silent vigil? I went to. Fuck, it was powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I met some girls on the tram on the way there. We had never met before. We sort of created a little collective i'd mm. purchased a packet of candles and they didn't have any with them so mm-hmm. we sort of stood together and lit our candles i and was had our um part of a gym group at the time so we had personal training a few times a week and there was like seven of us in the group we foregoed our training that night and we all met up and we all went together and it was just like it was super somber but what was really difficult i felt about that was i then had you know to get out of work on time to get there and see you know be part of it and wanted the opportunity to actually go up to the memorial, not just stand at the back and to place my um, mm, I was fortunate enough to be very close to the front, so I was right near that memorial for it. But by the time I left, it was quite late. 
then. Of and course. I felt unsafe. Yeah. I had to walk across Busy Park to get to the yeah. tram to yeah. get home. Yep. And I felt unsafe. <laughs> what the fucking irony of, you know, feeling unsafe leaving in a, a memorial for yeah. a girl who's been murdered. But also... I, I but think... there would have been a lot of allies around that night with their eyes and ears open. So, yeah, yeah. but still, it doesn't take away the fear. Oh, and that... <laughs> That incident also occurred really close to... I support the Carlton Football Club, so that's an area that I've spent a lot of time at socially. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to events t- for Carlton Football Club some evenings, and they host them at the Oval. Mm-hmm. And to get Which to the Oval... she was murdered on a soccer field right next to where Carlton's yeah. training ground is. And so to get to the Carlton rooms where they hold these events of an evening, I have to cross across there, and I feel so unsafe there by myself mm-hmm. at night yeah it's, so it's i just i just way. don't do it i don't do these things that would put me in that situation if yeah. the uber can't drop me to the door or you know i just don't really do it and it does it does but it's interesting those are two events where i think um there was definitely outrage after eurydice's death and i i wasn't here at the time that jill yeah um, mm-hmm. was murdered but... i mean yeah jill was the start so i think the outrage has got more direct and it's got, you know... But I remember with Eurydice... It's faster and it's like there's more people that are angry. Jill, obviously people were devastated, but once it's patterned and once it's happened so many times, it's like well, people with are really... Eurydice, I remember there was a police officer and I don't hold this against a police officer. I think he was trying to be helpful. But his oh, yeah. comments immediately afterwards were women need to, you know, look out for themselves and you shouldn't be doing anything dangerous and you shouldn't be travelling alone at night. Don't walk home at night through a park. And basically it was saying, (laughs) women, you need to take your safety into your own hands and not do things that are dangerous. And it really put that onus on Mm. women. Because the counter-argument is, hey, men, don't rape and murder us. Yeah. Like, the onus should be on them not to be rapists and murderers. I felt bad for this policeman. He got dragged through the coals. I... He was just trying to keep us safe. I don't. I don't begrudge. I him, don't begrudge him. But I. I but, begrudge yeah. the message, I, I, and it's not his fault that that is the message. But it is the message, and it what, is. It is the. And message. there's there's no. I other... don't begrudge him for saying it, but oh. it fucking sucks that it's the only, the onus only falls on us. It is only us. So he, you and I both have brothers. I have yes. one. You have two. Yeah. I noticed this stark difference. I'm quite a number of years older than my brother, four years older. Mm-hmm. I remember when, you know, I was probably 16 or so, so my brother was um, quite a bit younger. The way that my dad in particular, my mum to a lesser degree, would react to, you know, me going out and me being... Is that because your mum's a cool mum? My mum's a cool mum. <laughs> she's not an ordinary mum, she's, <laughs> she's a cool mum. Cool <laughs> um, yes, she did like to buy us a four-pack of cruisers <laughs> before a party. Yeah, so we could share them. So we could share them. She's like, make sure you share them, S, with your friends. Um, maybe <laughs> save one and have it as a nightcap. You don't need to drink them all at once. Um, she's a cool mum and she gets it. Mm. But <clears throat> I do remember having like fights with my dad about the way that he would be like what boys are going to this party and are you gonna look after yourself and you know I'm not worried about you I'm just worried about the people that you're going to be around Mm -hmm. but then my brother when he was a similar age I was at university by that stage and I would come home for weekends or summers or whatever and I would listen to what my dad would be saying and he seemed more worried that my brother was going to impregnate somebody then he was gonna, then, yeah. You know, there was never any concern. I remember on one occasion, my brother 
had come home. He'd gone out to a party. It's such a dumb story, but he, he'd gone to a party and he'd come home and I at the time was working in a hospitality job. So I was working like weird hours and I was still awake because my body was just like not dealing with mm-hmm. sleep. Oh yeah, you're in hospital. <clears throat> yeah. So I had like set myself up in my bedroom with some like crappy TV show and was like in bed, but not asleep. And my brother got home drunk from whatever party he'd been at. And he's like, came knocking on my door. He's like, I don't have a TV in my bedroom. So can I, like, I, I just want to watch some TV. I'll, I'll watch one episode and then I'll go to my own bed. Oh, cute. And then, like, promptly fell asleep in my bed. But so that we could both watch the TV, he had, like, he was at my feet. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, his yeah, head okay. was at my feet. Yeah. Top and tailing, as we would have said back cute. in the day. But you're not rooting your brother. It's fine. Yeah. You sleep in the bed. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not that weird when you have a cute... Like, not a cute little brother, but your little brother. Yeah. It's not that weird. But we'd top and tailed <laughs> and he, you know, was at the bottom and I'd fall, I'd then fallen asleep and whatever. And the next morning, my my dad didn't seem worried at all, but my mum was panicked. She's like, oh my God, where is your brother? We can't find him. Has he messaged you? Has he texted you? I was like, <laughs> and I half asleep was like, no, what? Uh, call him. Uh. I pulled the covers over myself and went back to sleep and then like, moved my foot and hit his like shin or something. I was like, oh my god. I think I found him. <laughs> Come back. She's like, what? And I was like, I found him and like lifted him. To which my mother's response was like to call out to my dad and she's like, Don't worry, he's sleeping with his sister. And I'm like, oh that's not what's happening. But but yeah, the reaction of the reaction parents, of my mother was It's very gendered. He might be dead in a ditch somewhere. But yeah, her concern was, you know, we lived in the country. Maybe he got yeah. in a car with somebody. Exactly. But my dad was or always he did like, some stupid masculine. A man thing. might do something to you. Like of my mum was always like, you might to my brother, like, you might do something stupid yeah. to yourself. I just remember my brothers used to get um, like six packs when there were parties on. They would, mum and dad would buy them like a sixer of beer or whatever, and I would get two cruises. And I was like, I was. Oh, but that's because your mum wasn't a. Because I, oh, she, she, I guarantee she wasn't. It was probably my dad that tolerated giving me the drinks. But because I was so adamant, my brothers got six. Like I need six. I, uh, I demand equality. But fuck, you look at what happens, and it's like, well, I understand why they're worried about me drinking too much because my brothers drink too much. What happens to them is like, you know, they may be a bit silly, maybe get into a little fight or whatever. I could die. But also, at the hands of someone else. I think what's really interesting is to talk about how those reactions are. I think a really good like case study to put against it is what used to be called King Hits and is now called the Coward Punch. Yes. So we had changed the messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we had this spate of incidents in Melbourne where mm-hmm. guys were going out, they would end up in altercations either by their own volition, they would choose to get into a fight, mm-hmm. they would stand up for a friend or they would interject and would step in when they saw somebody mm-hmm, was being beaten mm-hmm. on or they would just be at yeah, the wrong place at the wrong time. in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and so, like, yeah, coward punch is essentially coming up behind a guy and smacking him in the back of the head. Yeah, <laughs> but we were so outraged at the idea that these guys, even if they had have been part of the fight earlier in the night, mm-hmm. hadn't deserved this, that this was behavior that was yeah, so even apparent. two drunk fuckwits out on king street yeah. at four in the morning getting to a punch on the outrage at a death in that but it scenario was, was... the outrage of the death never went well what was he doing out on king street drinking what was he doing yeah. what was he wearing what was he wearing 
Who was he talking to? Yeah, was he listening to music? Did he have headphones in? <laughs> Had he gone for a walk at night? What mm. was he doing leaving his house after 7pm? Yeah. Why was he on the street on his own waiting for a cab? Why was yeah. he doing that? Why, Where why, were his friends? Why, why would he put himself in such danger? And I just think we changed that message so much that it originally it was called a king hit and then it was like, no, that's glorifying what's happening, mm-hmm. what what the perpetrator has done. Let's let's really send the message that we are not okay with this and it has been rebranded and it's a coward's punch. And there's advertising in like bathrooms all around Melbourne like to stop your friend before they coward punch. Like there's a lot of messaging around it. Yeah, but where are the messages that say, hey, don't let your mate grope a girl? Don't let your mate you know, tell a I girl that... I understand the outrage of that, but things are changing. It is slow, but I think they are changing. There's a lot of emphasis with um, like young dudes in footy teams. They're now they're training these guys to really call out their mates. Like if they see their mate doing something to a girl, like they've got to call it out and then shame their mates into behaving better. Like... It is, it's a slow and steady change, but it is happening, it is happening. I mean, one thing though that really worries me is that back in 2017, the UN released a statement that said that violence against women in Australia is disturbingly common. And that's what scares me. It's not that it happens. Yeah. It's the fact that it's become commonplace. It's the fact that it is so commonplace that women have to be told to look after themselves. Mm, the owner yeah. seems to sit on us to protect ourselves. Um, I mean, I just, it, 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 to be perfectly honest, worries me. Um, mm. And in particularly, like, the, the incidence of violence against women by strangers is more common in Australia and Oceania than it is in third world nations in Africa mm. and Is it Asia. these fucking incels like sitting at their computer getting fucking like like hating on the feminazis as they call it? Like is it those fucking incel you know guys like losing their shit or is it is it planned? Is it random? Like I don't Incel is in incel I think is a really interesting topic because Yeah, um, it's a whole nother kettle of fish. Well but but it feeds into of course, this and yeah. it's this this aspect idea of, that men are, are entitled. Yeah, so for anybody that's not aware, incel is a portmanteau of involuntarily celibate. Do you Googles, guys? Incel is fucking terrifying and fascinating. Be careful where you Google, you don't want to go down the wrong <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, but it, they, these are men who have identified themselves as being involuntarily celibate because um, women of the world do not offer them sex and they feel entitled to it. Um, and it's Get definitely a prostitute, mate. Get a prostitute. <laughs> well, these are women, women don't owe you sex. If you want to have sex, you can have sex, but like, yeah. They're... Anyway, that that yeah, is that's a whole nother topic. It'd be super interesting to do some research and like chat about it. But it is so horrifically, to me, the rabbit hole that I went down. I remember when one particular shooting in America happened, and it was a guy who had identified as an incel. Mm-hmm. Um, conducted a shooting on a... It was his old high school, wasn't it? And he wasn't a student? The one that I'm thinking of was on a college 
um, sort of like the Greek system where all of the different mm. like sororities and fraternities yeah, Delta were. Kappa Una or Alpha <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Chi. <laughs> beta Kappa Beta. Um, but he, yeah, he filmed a sort of like manifesto right before he started shooting and the... The weird thing to me was that before I saw the video, when I just saw, like, the screenshot of his face, he looked so normal. Like, you don't mm-hmm. imagine evil to look so normal. Like just a regular young college and guy. to be perfectly honest, like, his whole rant was about, like, how he'd always been the perfect gentleman and women have rejected him. And all I could think when I first saw him was, like, if I didn't hear this, like, weird crap that you're coming out with right now, if you had have, like, approached me in a bar and been nice, I probably would have, like, given you the time of day. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, mm. I just... Anyway, yeah. there's no answer to this question, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, I I did live... want to talk about being safe. Yeah. I live in a fairly constant state of fear. If not fear... Alertness. I'm alertness. I'm constantly alert. When I remember twenty four hours a day. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when we were in high school, I remember there being like that. It was for terrorism, but they're like saying like be alert but not alarmed, and that's mm-hmm. what I feel like I always am. I'm always alert. Yeah. I'm not necessarily alarmed. I'm paying attention to the things that are happening around me, um, and I'm concerned and I'm mm-hmm. worried. I worry that like over the last, well, probably since Eurydice. Because, like I said, these murders, the three big murders that I can think of, which was, what was the Preston lady's name again? Aya. Aya, Eurydice and Jill all happened in the suburb that I, I live in. Like, yeah. I just, I, I don't, I think Aya's, that I feel constantly alarmed. Like, I'm not even alert at the moment. Aya's murder particularly hit me hard. She was riding the tram that I catch every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was doing all of the things that we are told to do. She, she was on the phone to her sister. Got off the tram and called her sister because she felt safer to be talking to somebody. Which that's one of the oldest tricks in the book, pretend you're on your phone. Yep. Or, or actually be actually on your phone. Be on your phone. Um, but she was on like the 86 tram. She got off. What really fucking freaked me out about that one is I, her age. I live with somebody who is that age, quite a lot younger than me, um, a woman. And I, when I heard it in the news, it was, at first it was reported as just a girl in her age. And I was like, oh my God, I'm yeah. going to text my housemate and make sure she's okay. Cause yeah. she also catches that tram. Yeah. Um, less often than me, she's probably more like you, E. She yeah. catches Fuck the amount of money I spend on Ubers. You should look at my Uber <laughs> account. I, I don't walk at anywhere. I do not get the tram anywhere. Um, whereas, and then all I could think was there was an occasion two years ago, maybe, where I, I catch that tram all the time. We have 24-hour trams Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. in Melbourne. And I catch it of an evening because I, ref, I refuse to be domineered by fear. But I yeah. had had too much to drink and I fell asleep on the tram. And I woke up at the oh stop where she God. got off and was murdered. And I just think that night I got off. I had woken up. Nobody had woken me on the tram when I fell asleep. I woke up at that stop. Got off and went, oh, should I wait for 20 minutes for a tram in the other direction or should I try to get a cab? And I got a, managed to get a cab. Yeah, you get a cab. But I used to live on the 86 line with you as well. And I remember this was after Jill Ma, definitely, but it was sometime between 2012 and probably 2015. And I got onto the tram and it wasn't that late at night. It was probably like nine o'clock at night. And this guy came and stood next to me and I felt super uncomfortable. So I was like, I'm just going to move myself 
away from him. So I got up and I moved. And like 30 seconds later, he followed me and he came and he stood right next to me again. I was like, fuck, this is, this is a thing now. So then I'm looking around the tram, like looking, looking, looking. I was like, just find the sane person. Go find the normal person. Go find like... A nice old lady. A nice old lady. And you go and you sit with her. And it will go stand near her. And I looked around the tram. And there was not a single sane person on that tram. Yeah, Um, There was one guy, a man in a suit. And I was like, okay, great. A suit. He... I'll be safe-ish with him. Because the rest of them were like... I mean, Junkies you've seen American like, Psycho. Yeah, Guys okay, so then I go suit. stand next to the suit guy and he's fucking wasted. He's so drunk he can barely stand. And I was like, damn it, my one safe guy. So what I did is I, the tram pulled up at a stop at the end of Burke Street and I waited and I waited and the doors were open and I waited and just before they were about to close, I leapt off the tram and I ran and I got a cab because I couldn't, wait to get closer to home and get off and this guy get off and follow me and so I would like I acted like I wasn't getting off so that he he didn't have time to react and chase me yeah (laughs) and I think though like being aware of your surroundings is so important I had a situation I wasn't living in Melbourne at the time it's when I lived in the UK but I got followed home from a train station um and you know I did all of the things that you're not supposed to do I had been out drinking that night I had caught a train, I put headphones in and was listening to music, but as I was walking, I just had this feeling that there was somebody behind me, so I muted my music, I was listening behind me, I was like, nope, that's a second set of footsteps, okay, just be aware, there's somebody behind you, you know, I lived in a busy street, so it could have been that there was just somebody else walking home at the same time, (laughs) but I walked to my front door and I lived in an apartment building at the time that... Um, every tenant of the building had a key for like the front door. Um, and then you had a second key for your own apartment, Mm -hmm. but this front door, um, was a big heavy door with an automatic closer. So you didn't have to pull it closed. You just sort of pulled it open and it would slowly close behind you. And I didn't turn around until I was inside because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to look behind me and alert the person behind me that I knew that they were there because mm-hmm. they didn't know where I was going, I didn't think. Um, but when I got to my front door and I opened it and stepped inside into the lobby, there was a guy standing there who had been following me for two blocks. Was he? Did he get into the building? He wasn't in the building. He, he was, was like in the at like the front. at the front of it, sort of like in an alcovey like entryway, bit. yeah. Um, and he had his pants around his ankles and was masturbating. Oh my God. Had he been masturbating while walking? I don't know. They were tracky decks, so I guess easy <laughs> access. It wasn't oh. like he had to unbutton anything. But I had this moment Can where... Can you imagine? Can you imagine fucking following someone and jacking off in the street? I mean... Like, it... sometimes I'm a horny bitch, but I've never felt the need well, to jack off in the street. My biggest thing was I had pulled this door open and stepped in and then the door was still slowly closing and I had started walking up the steps to get up. I lived on a higher level apartment, but I was like, okay, I've got two options here. Well, three options. Option one, I can turn my back on this guy and run upstairs. But in the meantime, the front door's open and Mm. he could, that door closes fucking slow. So he can stop it closing, come inside. Mm-hmm. Also, he might live in the building, so who the fuck knows if he's just going to yeah, pull Mr. out Wanker. his key. Option two, I could go back d- 
down the three stairs I've already started walking up and pull the door closed. But to do that, I have to walk closer to him. Towards him. If he is violent, he could grab me. Yeah, push the door open. So I chose option three, which was literally to stand frozen where I was to watch him, but also wait for the door to close. So you knew it was So that I was sure that he was on the other side because... Even if he did have a key, even if he did live in the building, it would take him a little while to put his key in. Yeah. Well, presumably pull his pants up, pull it, put a key in. So I figured that would give me enough time. And as soon as that door hit slam, I ran up the stairs. Um, immediately ran into one of my male housemates who I was like, Alex, this has just happened. I need you to do me a favor. Go to the window. Tell me if there's a guy standing out there. And bless his little cotton socks. I didn't want to live with this guy when we had a house vote about whether or not he should be our housemate. <laughs> oh, my God. He was quite young. and I was <laughs> Controversy. Like, well, I was like, oh, he's quite young. I don't know if I want to live with somebody that young. Da, da, da. But he immediately was like, I'm going to go out and find him. I was like, no, just tell me if he's there or not. I called the police station, told them what had happened. And they're like, oh, could you come in tomorrow to make a report? It's like, yep, no worries. So, you know, had this, like, really mm. lovely male housemate who's like, this is so not okay, like, do you want me to make you a cup of tea? Do you want to talk about it? What's happened? The next day I told my female housemates because I'm like, hey guys, you need to be aware that this is happening. Yeah, in there's our a area. fucking wanker walking around the streets. Every single one of them laughed. Ooh, oh. And I get that like sometimes <laughs> I mean the environment is... is pretty different in Australia currently. Maybe I would have laughed once upon a time. And I, I do get that, like, sometimes laughter is, like, your defense mechanism. Yeah, it's your awkward reaction. But the questions that they were asking, like, but how big was he? Well, like, what did it look? I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah, I this, wasn't looking at the size. I'm like, I barely, you know, the next day I had to go to the police station to make a statement. And I struggled. And I, as discussed previously, I am a lawyer. I have, you know, I'm not a criminal lawyer, but I have had criminal law training. And I was like, I am so bad at being a witness because they're asking me questions about, like, what did he look like? I'm like, I don't remember. I remember mm, how I it's feel. It's really hard. Um, giving a description. Moment. But the police officer was so good to deal with because she's like, I'm so grateful that you... And the, the main reason that I had done this was because I lived with other women. I lived on a street with a school and I just thought, if this guy is walking around behaving like this around me, what's he doing around kids? Ugh. But I'd reported this to her and she's like, nobody, she's like, this might be a one-off thing. He might never do this again. But nobody who then escalates to murder starts at murder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've all done something else They, before. like, kill kittens and she's stuff. She's like, like, we need to know about this. She's like, mm. if he's going to rape somebody, he will do this beforehand. So yeah. if, if... It's important that it's in the yeah, system. Yeah, and the next time that it happens in this area, mm. we need to know about it. So... It was a really, like, sobering experience about, A, how other people react, like, Mm -hmm. but also how I reacted myself. Like, I chastised myself for being like, why were you such an idiot listening to music? You know that you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, I had been having dinner with my manager and she was like, I told you not to catch the train. I told you to get a taxi. I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. but, I know, the cost and... But, yeah, but again, like, we're expected to change our behaviour, yeah. I used to live on my own. I had my own little apartment and it was quite an old building. And I used to work nights and I got home from work once. And I went, again, key to get in and then staircase. And then there's my apartment, but mine was at the very top. So walk into the first key place and there's a guy like passed the fuck out in the entryway. 
and I'm looking and looking and he was wearing like tradey clothes and I was like, oh my God, maybe he's been in an accident. Maybe he was like fixing something and he fell and he hurt himself. And then I was like, that can't be right. Like this, this doesn't seem right. I was like, oh my God, he's a junkie. He's got into our building and he's like ODing or whatever. Um, so like you fight or flight, I flew, I leaped over him and I ran up the stairs and I locked myself in my apartment and then I call my brother in tears, hysterical, like, what do I do? What do I do? He's like, call the police. And I was like, really? Like, is that what do you do? And, also, I, and I just, I was like, but how do you call? I didn't know. But and also like, calling the police sometimes feels like an overreaction. I've had yeah. similar situations where there's been drunk or drug affected people on the tram who have been, you know, upsetting passengers, upsetting me or more unfortunately probably doing themselves harm mm-hmm. and I feel like a burden on the police if I call to tell them yeah like, I mean I did too but this guy was ODing so oh, like and I'm not saying that you're not but no, it's that fact course, that you were because there's other situations that I wouldn't but leading on from that I decided it wasn't safe to live alone because if something bad had have happened with that guy this was late at night he could have fucked me up and it could have taken three days before anybody realized anything had happened to me because if I had the next two days off work you know I'm not if I'm not Mm. scheduled to see anyone it could literally be until I don't show up to work three days later that anyone would even have a hint that I'd gone missing so yeah I stopped living on my own at that point um and I guess yeah I (laughs) it would take a pretty good security system for me to feel comfortable living on my own at the moment and there's that thing like flight or Fight or flight mm-hmm. are two options, but I actually find most of the time in those situations I freeze. Yeah. yeah. I don't do either flight or fight. I just, like, mm. freeze and observe. Yeah. Uh, every situation is that. Literally, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Do I leave the building and then, like, I'm stuck out on the street with nowhere to go? Or <laughs> I was like, he's passed the fuck out. I'm going to jump the fuck over him. I long jumped over him and ran up the stairs. So, yeah. And I think one of the other things that I found really difficult about being a single woman in these situations. So in this situation in the UK, when that guy had followed me home, I was seeing a guy at the time and I had actually texted him that night because I was just feeling really like anxious and couldn't get to sleep. So I texted him and was like, oh, this just happened. I'm really stressed. And he was like, oh, my God, are you okay? Do you need me to come over? Da, da, da. Like, and I was like, no, no, like, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. He couldn't have fixed the problem. But I, like, felt safe talking yeah. to him about it in a way that talking to my girlfriends didn't make mm. me feel safer, which is weird. But equally, living in the same place, um, I think a few weeks earlier, or maybe it was after, I can't really remember the time frames now, but I had a similar situation where was walking home from a night out. Um, it was summery time, so in the UK it takes ages for the sun to actually set. So mm-hmm. I felt safe walking home by myself of an evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a guy similarly tried to catch step with me. In a different situation, he was trying to like catch my attention to have a chat. And I pre- <laughs> I pretended to be... <laughs> I don't want to chat with you. Yeah, it's stra- you're a stranger while I'm walking home. Fuck so I- off. You know, pulled my phone out and had a fake conversation, um, something along the lines of, you know, oh, yep, I'll be home in five minutes. Pop the kettle on. I'll be there. Um, yeah, yeah, so I guess... Get get the biscuits ready. What are your... That can lead us to, like, what are your actual strategies? We said that we text each other 
yeah. when we're going on a date, I will always make sure one or two of my girlfriends know who I'm meeting, where I'm meeting them and like how I met them. Yeah. And I'll usually send them like a screenshot of their Tinder profile. So at least they've got something to go off. I never meet guys in a random place. It's always like a public bar, like a busy yeah. place. I would never just go to someone's house. Well, in this situation <laughs> with this guy, I just, you know, just had a weird vibe or whatever. And so pretended that I was on the phone to somebody who was expecting me yeah. very soon. Great. And when I like hung up, hung up the fake call um, and because it, it was too far away from home that I could keep up a fake call. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he then immediately was like, who is that? Who are you talking to? I was like, uh, oh, my boyfriend. Um, and it he, sucks you have to pretend to have a boyfriend. And that, yeah, like, because <laughs> men respect we've you spoken as to this somebody this else's before. property more than they respect you as yeah. a person who says no. But regardless, he's like, oh, well, that's why would your boyfriend not be out with you tonight like he was testing to see because I'm a modern independent woman Uh well (laughs) this is how but like I as a feminist hate that this was my excuse but I was like oh well you know he was really tired from playing rugby today and he's going to make him sound big and scary yeah and I was like and he's on the late shift tomorrow night um as a police sergeant he needs to like get his rest (laughs) next thing this guy disappears like (laughs) He could yeah, not well, have run away yeah, first. I faster. like another strategy, like this is super annoying that this has to be my reality, but I live with one of my brothers. And you know, sometimes a girl's got needs, sometimes she doesn't always come home at night. But I let my brother know if I'm not coming home. Mm-hmm. Because I want him to know that if I don't come home, that it's, it's not an normal. issue. Yeah. So if I'm having a one night stand or if I'm staying at a boy's place, I'm always like just letting you know I'm not coming home tonight. And thankfully, he's pretty. He's a great brother. Like, he's pretty chill with that stuff. He, he'll he just be like, yep, no worries. Like, we don't need to go into it. But he knows that for me to feel safe, I just need him to know that I'm legitimately not home so that if he doesn't hear from me, he's like, I haven't heard from him. That's weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in most recent times when I've had a one-night stand, I have, like, been with friends when I've hooked up. So... I've sort of been like, I'm going with this guy, check in with me tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah. And they have done, and I've had the message to be like, hey, like, I've, I actually had one friend who called so many times that I had to, like, <laughs> apologise to the guy. I was like, if I don't talk to her on the phone, like, she's not going to just accept a text message because mm. she thinks that you might have taken my phone, <laughs> be using my fingerprint from my dead body to text, you know, to yeah. log into my phone and text. So... I need to talk to her to tell her that I'm safe mm. and fine. And he's like, oh, that's weird. But that is literally how it, our brains work. Yeah. If, and, like, so I guess we've already said we don't wear headphones at night time. Well, don't. I wear one. <laughs> I'm a rebel. Yeah, she, she's a bit braver than me at the moment. Um, you know, The old carry the keys in the fist so that you've got, like... I I used, don't do... I don't really I do it, but I do think that, about it. But... Yeah, I used to do that, but I don't anymore because... Would you get mace? Would you buy mace? No, only because you know how clumsy I am and 100% I would <laughs> spray it in my yourself. own face. Yeah, you would absolutely fucking mace yourself. What are, What other strategies could you use? I try really hard not to um, wear high heels. True, because it's going harder to, to run. If I'm going to be catching public transport or walking do along the distance... Do you think about what you wear and how you dress? Uh, not in the sense of like, will it attract somebody or not? But I do become very conscious when I'm like on a tram or whatever to like close up a couch yeah, or something. Yeah, that's it. Like I don't love 
yeah, I dress way more conservatively these days. I don't know if that's just because I'm old or if it's because I'm like I don't think I dress any <laughs> not but... trying to attract any additional attention than yeah. What you might. I I think I do still dress as as I feel comfortable in my everyday. But I do notice that when I'm on public transport, and I notice this particularly because I deal with public transport every single day, and I hate man spreaders. But I notice mm-hmm. that I try to make myself as small as possible, and mm-hmm. as soon as like somebody starts getting loud and aggressive on a tram or a train rather than like bulking myself up and being like what's going on and I'm gonna have a look you try I shrink just so you shrink kind of invisible. and I'm like I'm not here and I might try to surreptitiously take a video to be like in case this needs to go to court later I was mm. here and I saw it but I have heard and seen enough of people who step in to situations being coming to harm, I don't feel comfortable stepping in. I would not step in. I'm afraid of teenage boys now in a way that oh I God. never was before. This reminds me of a story. I went to, I had a night out and I went to McDonald's with a girlfriend and there were these two teenagers, so loud and so obnoxious and they were being really rude to the girl behind the counter. And I didn't say anything, but my friend is quite outspoken and she's, you know, She's got big shiny balls. And she said to them, don't be so fucking rude. That didn't go really down well. They then turned on us, started like just hurling abuse and just, you know, being little dick faces. Then there's this gorgeous older tradie man in there. He just went up to them and was like, you guys are fucking dickheads. And basically told them to get the fuck out. And they did. They left. But they respected his masculine <sighs> Yeah, presence. okay. But then he left. He finished his Big Mac meal. And he left and then we were still there and these boys came back in and they just came and sat next to us and just, we didn't feel comfortable to leave. Like we didn't feel like we could leave because they were going to follow us. Mm -hmm. So we spoke to the manager. There wasn't really that much he could do because it's not, so we called the police from inside Macca's. It took like three phone calls before they showed up. So we were there for like a really long time. And, um, as soon as the police came, these boys took off. And I was like, okay. So I then got an Uber. The police waited till I was in the Uber. My friend had her bike. So she's like, it's fine. I'm going to ride home. And I was like, please don't ride home. Leave your bike here. I'll come get it with you in the morning. She's like, no, no, no. It's fine. They've gone. It's fine. I want to get my bike. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I was like, message me the second you get home. So then I get home and I get a phone call from her. She's hysterical. These guys found her on her bike and chased her in their car. And then she ended up down, you know, like um, where the river is and there's that like Northcote. Yeah. So from like West Garth, you can Mm -hmm. go onto the bike path. So then their car couldn't go any further. But these guys fucking chased her. She fell off a bike. Like That's also like a really dark and scary road to be I know. So I think she's a dickhead and I can't believe that I let her go in the end. But what are you going to do? She's also um, a grown-ass woman. She has yeah, autonomy. exactly. So she then obviously reported that to the police again. But, yeah, fuck, teenage boys are terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I had a uh, – McDonald's must be the place for it. I had a similar incident yeah, where – Yeah, because the 24 hours is where the cretins can go. Well, I was at one, you know, after having too many wines with a girl I worked with who she happens to be a lesbian. And it sobered you up real quick, I bet. But, yeah, the two of us were just sort of in there and they were, like, making innuendos about us hooking up. And I, I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't even notice. I'm so, it's so commonplace to me to Mm. hear that kind of bullshit from men that I just didn't even listen. 
it wasn't till the next day when she called me to apologize she's like i'm so sorry that like i got aggressive with them because i was like why are you like throwing like Mm. you know she was throwing fries at them. I'm like, oh, when are you like starting a food fight for? You're like, like, this is also weird. stop wasting my precious fried potato. <laughs> I need to eat that. And then mm. realize that it's because they'd been making some like derogatory comments and some yeah. slurs. How the fuck do these young boys think that that's okay? Who the fuck is parenting them? Where are they getting this idea that that is okay? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, and it's scary. The, it doesn't. It the means comment that I'm of not boys shocked. will be boys is not good enough. No it way. doesn't fucking hold water. Okay, we've spoken for so yeah, long, this is and we're getting angry, and I <laughs> would like to... Well, we've done an hour, so I think that's have enough. Have some wine. Anyway. A more friendly So, it's, it's scary out there. It is. You know, but there are some strategies. Um, we've talked about, you know, some of the ways we try to keep safe. Um, pretty much, yeah, you just have to watch out for each other, and unfortunately, it is on us to keep ourselves safe. And I do think this is, you know, we talk about things from the single girl's perspective. This is a woman's issue, but it's actually a humanity's issue. Yeah. If you have... Educate your fucking sons. A son, Ugh. a brother, a husband, a father, An uncle, a creepy boyfriend. Uncle. Just fucking have a chat with them and explain to them how, how you feel. I think that, like... They don't, they don't get it, but once you, once you can explain it to them, once I can explain to them why I'm scared... And like, like yeah. show them that it's a genuine fear. That Whitney they, Cummings oh. example where she talks about yeah. seeing the guy standing in the window and how she sees it and how she, her boyfriend sees it. Find those examples in your life where you can say to the smart. men in your mm. life, yeah. this is what I feel and this is how I am seeing this situation. Tell me what you're seeing and I'll explain to you why it's so scary for me. Mm. And Look out for each other. Message do. your girlfriends. Don't go on these weird Tinder dates when nobody knows where you're going. If you haven't heard from somebody in a couple of days, just check in. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's what we're going to do. Yeah. Okay. Well. Cute. That's been the dark. Dark topic, but, Let's you know. Let's move to the light. Yeah. Everybody keep safe and fucking love you. And if you ever need to, if you can't text anyone else, you can text me. And you can tell me where you're going and what you're up to. And I will not judge you, but I will check in to make sure you're okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can follow us on Instagram. You can message us there. The e... Single Girl's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. E is currently managing. We'll have information yes. in the show notes. Message her there. DM or, me. Also, if on in the show notes, there's also a link so that you can leave us a voicemail message. So if you want to hear your voice on the pod, you want to ask us some questions, you can do that. And if you need to call somebody while you're walking home at night, leave us a voicemail while you're walking home Exactly. At night. And we'll, it, we'll make it a positive, fun one, not one of those scary yeah. ones. Okay, guys. Thank you for listening. Love, love you. you. Bye. Bye.